Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Nike came up with a commercial uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Just Do It. And uh, you see these great athletes, they'd come up and they would slam dunk it. But no matter how many times I've watched that commercial, I've never been able to dunk a basketball. I just can't do it. Uh, You know, the same thing is true with salvation. You and I can't, through our own ability, save ourselves. We can't, through our own righteousness, save ourselves. It's an inability that we have uh, to live the perfect standard that God has for our lives. And so, that's why we need Jesus. Jesus came, and he lived the perfect life. He's the only exception to for all have sinned, and he's the God-man. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, but the Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. And because of that, Jesus is able to bear our sin at the cross, satisfy the justice and wrath of God, and he was able to raise from the dead... And the Bible says that because of what he's done, uh, God will acquit us and make us his child when we put our trust in him. Uh, So uh, Jesus takes our curse upon himself. Uh, The Bible says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. There's a very specific reason. The Romans came up with crucifixion, but even before that, they were hanging people on trees as a sign of God's curse. So the fact that Jesus was under God's curse on the cross was offensive to the Jewish people. They uh, couldn't understand it. There's several accounts in history of Jewish people who've said, I just can't get past this idea that Jesus or, or anyone who's the Christ would hang on a tree as cursed by God. But yet that was God's very plan. That he would take my curse and your curse upon himself so that we could be forgiven. Uh, So we need to put our trust in Jesus uh, for salvation. But we also need to rely on his spirit to live in the blessings of this life that he's called us to. Um, The title of my message is Replacing Cursing with Blessing. Replacing Cursing with Blessing. Um, Keep your thumb there in Galatians 3, and before we read that scripture, I want to turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27. Now, Deuteronomy is the, uh, the law of God that God gave Moses at Mount Sinai. It's also... Uh, included elsewhere in Exodus, but Deuteronomy is the second time of God's giving of the law. And uh, he tells the people of Israel there's going to be certain tribes that are on Mount Ebal, certain tribes uh, that are on Mount Gerizim, and uh, some of you are going to say the curses, some of you are going to say the blessings, and and the idea is that if you obey God's law, you're going to be blessed, and if you don't obey God's law, you'll be cursed. And so over and over again through Deuteronomy 27, he says, do all of the law of God. All the law. All of the law. Uh, and so, but this is what he says the Levites were to proclaim with a loud voice to every Israelite. So imagine 
you're standing on these mountains, uh, half of the people, half of the nation of Israel on one mountain, half the nation of Israel on the other. You're standing there and you're hearing this going on. This is what the Levites were to read when they crossed over into the land. If you pick it up in verse 15, it says, The person who makes a carved idol or cast image, which is detestable to the Lord, the work of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret, is cursed. And all the people will reply, Amen. The one who dishonors his father or mother is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who moves his neighbor's boundary marker is cursed. All the people will say, Amen. The one who leads a blind person astray on the road is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who denies justice to a foreigner, a fatherless child, or a widow is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who sleeps with his father's wife is cursed, for he has violated his father's marriage bed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who has sexual intercourse with any animal is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who sleeps with his sister, whether his father's daughter or his mother's daughter, is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who sleeps with his mother-in-law is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who secretly kills his neighbor is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who accepts a bribe or kills an innocent person is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. Anyone who does not put the words of this law into practice is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. Now, he's just given a representative uh, sampling of certain laws of God here. But you get the idea. It doesn't matter which type of sin that you choose to practice. Sin brings God's curse. You see, this is why we need Jesus. Because no matter who you are, one of, the, one of the ones here that is mentioned is whoever dishonors his father or mother is cursed. Now, imagine you're standing there in that group of people and you hear these words read uh, and, and shouted from the mountain and everybody says, Amen! And you think to myself, I've dishonored my mom and dad. I've disobeyed them. I've been disrespectful to them. I mean, who of us hasn't, right? You just got inside the promised land and already you're cursed. What are you going to do? You see, this is what Paul is looking back to. Now, if you look in, in chapter 28, he says uh, in verse 1 of chapter 28, if you have faithfully obeyed the Lord your God and are careful to follow, again, here's the words, all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. Then skip to verse 15 of that same chapter. But if you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all his commands and statutes I am giving you today, again, all his commands and statutes, all these curses will come and overtake you. I won't, I won't go through them all and read them all to you. You'd be very depressed by the time I got through. But it is true. Sin brings the curse. You've got to obey all the law of God or you are cursed cursed before God. Now, this is the background. You see, Paul had a group of Jewish um, people called the Judaizers who were trying to say, you've got to keep the law of Moses if you want to be saved. Paul's saying, that's crazy. He said, it's like trying, 
believing that you keep the law of Moses and that you put your faith in Christ is like trying to stand in a boat with a with a dock at the same time, and the boat's moving away from the dock. You've got to make a decision one way or the other, or you're going to be in the water. They're, they're mutually exclusive. Either you are saved by grace, or you're saved by the doing of the law. And if we're saved by the doing of the law, there's no hope for any of us. We're cursed. Now, with this in mind, uh, I want to talk to you about replacing cursing with blessing. Wouldn't you agree that's an important topic? Um, Look at verse 10 of Galatians chapter 3. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Because it is written, everyone who does not continue doing, again here's that word, everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified or acquitted or declared righteous, is what that means, before God by the law. Because the righteous will live by faith. Now he's quoting a scripture there from Habakkuk. The righteous will live by faith or the just will live by faith. Verse 12 says the law is not based on faith. Instead the one who does these things will live by them. Again he's quoting an Old Testament scripture. Um, The one who does these things will live by them. Is exactly quoting the words of Moses as he gives them the law. Well that would be fine and good if you could do the law. You would live by it. You would have a blessed life. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The blessed civilizations of this world are those who take the words of God seriously uh, and who who, uh, base their cultures upon the word of God. That's one reason America has been as as blessed as it's been. But the fact is, none of us can keep the law in the way that God requires us to keep the law. And so we can't live in the way that God wants us to live through the law. Now look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, again here's a quote, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. So two ways, by the law or by faith, which is it? It's by faith in Jesus Christ that you're saved. Replacing cursing with blessing. How do you do it? First of all, you've got to recognize your guilt. Verse 10 says, All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. All. All. The ironic thing about the Judaizers, they were saying, Hey, it's not enough for you to be saved by faith in Jesus. You've got to keep the law. The ironic thing is, their very decision to try to be saved by the law put them under a curse. All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. I hear people in Baptist churches sometimes say this, I live a good life, that's why I'm going to heaven. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, you don't go to heaven because you live a good life. First of all, none of us do. We don't live a good life on God's standards. You may have a good life based on human standards, but you don't have a good life based on God's standards. All of sin and false word of the glory of God. So um, some will say, well, I, you know, I go to church, or I uh, tithe, or I serve in the church. You're not going to heaven for any of those reasons. If you go to heaven, you'll go to heaven for one reason and one reason only. Jesus Christ died for your, your sin on the cross, 
He lived the righteous life you couldn't live, and he rose from the dead. And because of that, when you repent and choose to turn from your sin your own way, that's what repentance is, to follow Jesus, and you receive the free gift of salvation, you'll be saved because of what Jesus did. Somebody once said, every other religion in the world is due. Christianity is done. Jesus paid it all. There's a song that said that somewhere. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. But you see, before you realize you need Jesus, you've got to realize you're a sinner. And so, all of sin and falls short of the glory of God, Romans says. And he says here, if you're trying to rely on the law, you're under a curse. Because you've got to do everything in the law. And none of us can. So recognize your guilt. Uh, I remember when I was a little boy, my parents had told me, I've been pigging out on the cookies, and they told me, Roger, we don't want you touching any of those cookies in that cookie jar. Uh, You're going to have to wait till tomorrow to eat any more cookies. Well, they left the room, and what did I do? I went for the cookie jar. And I didn't realize this being, I I don't even remember this story my parents told me. That's the only reason I know the story. But uh, I apparently went to seat on those cookies, and I had it all over my face. And so my dad said, Roger, have you been eating the cookies? And I said, no. And they were so tickled, they couldn't punish me. (laughs) But I I, I avoided it. Uh, Sometimes... We think as adults, we're better at disguising our sins. But you know what the Bible says? God sees everything. He knows our sins. He knows our hearts. He knows our words. He knows the things that we should have done that we haven't done, the things that we've done that we shouldn't have done. Uh, And he has those things in his record. And if you don't know Christ, that's the case for you. The Bible says when the judgment comes, the books will be opened. Um, so you've got to recognize your guilt. Not only are you guilty, but say, say you uh, sin three times a day. You'd probably be a pretty good person. If, I mean, if you're talking about sins of speech, you know, evil thoughts, you know, lust or whatever, um, you know, failing to do something you should do, you know, seems, seems like maybe minor sins to us in some ways, maybe failing to do something we should do. But say you just had three of those per day. Well, you take that over the course of a life, you've got thousands and thousands of sins. And you stand before God, there's no, no question about the verdict because Jesus said, be you perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect and none of us are. So we would be guilty. You've got to recognize your guilt. And once you recognize your guilt, not just that you're guilty before God, but that you're guilty with a capital G. And the only hope for salvation is Jesus Christ, then you're prepared to receive God's grace and appreciate God's grace. Um, so uh, that first step is recognizing your guilt. Um, Joshua was with the Israelites. They, they were going to, uh, they just had this great victory at Jericho, and now they go and, and they fight piddly old Ai, and they lose the battle to Ai. Joshua falls on his face and says, what's going on, Lord? Uh, 
what's the problem? And God says, there's sin in the camp. And of course, Achan had taken some of the materials that God had told them not to take. And uh, God said, my blessing won't go with you until you deal with the sin in the camp. And so they dealt with the sin, and God's blessing was once again upon them. Listen, um, sins, hidden sins need to be dealt with. They need to be confessed to God. They need to be acknowledged before God. Uh, he who covers his sin will not prosper, Proverbs says. But he who confesses and renounces it will find mercy. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Confess it and turn from it. You'll find mercy from God. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Um, so recognize your guilt. Acknowledge your guilt. Don't try to hide things from God because God knows them anyway. Confess your faults to him. Take your sin to him. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid the price for it. Um, God's not shocked by it. He's not like, oh, I can't believe you did that. No, he's already seen it. He knows that you did that. Matter of fact, even more than that, he knew that you were going to do it before the earth was created. How's that for a mind blower? The Bible says Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That means that it was always God's plan for Jesus to die. Well, why did God know that Jesus needed to die? He knew that we were going to sin. He knew every sin before he ever created us. He knew what we were going to do. And he said, I love them anyway. I'm going to send my son to die for them anyway to pay their price so that I could have a relationship with them. Recognize your guilt and confess that guilt before God. Uh, Charles Finney, one of the great evangelists of America's history, uh, would have people write every sin they could think of that they had committed on a piece of paper to confess that to God. And revival broke out in place after place after place as people began to confess their sin to God and get it taken care of and were restored. Recognize your guilt. Sometimes people say, well, guilt's not a good thing. It makes me feel bad. No, guilt's a good thing because it causes you to recognize your need for Christ and your need for forgiveness and confession. Um, I watched a comedian one time talk about the fact that you're not sick unless you go to the doctor. Y'all probably got some family members in, in your family that are that way. Maybe you're that way. You won't, won't admit that you're sick when you're sick, right? You won't go to the doctor. Well, if I go to the doctor, it means I'm truly sick, right? Um, and so, um, you know, what is it? it? We don't want to be diagnosed as sick. We don't want to go to the doctor. But yet, if we go to the doctor, we get the medicine we need to get better. Why is it we're so hesitant to do that? It's the same thing spiritually. People say, you know, well, I don't want to admit my sin. People, people have pride about their sin. I don't want to admit that I'm a sinner. I don't want to admit that I need Jesus. Listen, you need the doctor to heal you spiritually. And the doctor is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can do it. So come to him with your guilt. Recognize it. Bring it to Christ. And let him clean you up. Uh, I love that verse in Isaiah. God is calling out to the people of Israel. And he said, come let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. What a wonderful thing is the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Um, so, 
replacing cursing with blessing, first of all, begins with recognizing your guilt. So recognize your guilt. Secondly, receive your substitute. Receive your substitute. Look at verse 13. Christ, that is Jesus Christ, has redeemed us. He paid a price. From the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That moment on the cross where every sin that Roger Pugh had ever committed or would commit was placed upon Jesus. God turned his back in disgust upon his son. Poured out his wrath upon him. Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The eternal fellowship the Father and the Son had had was broken at the cross. Why? Because my sin was placed upon him and your sin was placed upon him. Martin Luther said that uh, at that moment, the adultery and murder of David the lying of Abraham, uh, the murderous career of the Apostle Paul before he came to Christ were all placed upon Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ became my sin, became my curse, became my wrath bearer on the cross. What happened there in that moment of time could only have happened on Jesus as as a divine son of God. Only he could have borne it. But it's somewhat of a mystery to us in that how to wrap our minds around how Jesus takes care of an eternity of punishment and wrath in a moment of time. But he does so. And he says these words at the end of this, this, this time period. He says, it is finished. And the word was put at the bottom of a debt that is paid in full. That was paid in full. Jesus has paid the debt. And he's paid it for all time. Every bit of justice. Every bit of curse that I deserved. Every curse. Listen there's a bunch of those curses in the law. That should have been mine. But they were placed on Jesus. He became a curse. For us. It is finished. You know what? The fact that it is finished. Was proven On the third day when Jesus arose. God put his stamp of approval on Jesus' life. And showed that he has the power to forgive sin as he claimed. Receive your substitute. Jesus died in your place. Not only did Jesus die in your place. He also lived in your place. He mentions here being justified. Being acquitted. But it also means to be clothed in the righteousness. To be made righteous. Uh, Jesus lived the perfect life of righteousness. You remember what Jesus said? Some people were accusing him of doing away with the law. He said, no, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Jesus is the only man in history who ever fulfilled the law. He lived everything perfectly. Not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. What the law's true intention was. Jesus lived it out perfectly in our place. And the Bible says that I, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm justified. I'm clothed in his righteousness. And because I am, God can acquit me in his court. Because the justice was carried out upon Christ, 
he can let me go. Uh, Ray Comfort described it as this way. Suppose you are speeding through a 20 mile an hour speed zone and you're going 80 miles an hour. And you stand before the judge and the judge says, okay, you owe a $200 fine and if you don't pay this $200 fine, you've got to go to jail. And you kind of shake your head and shrug and you say, well, I don't have the money, judge. And he says, well, you're going to have to go to jail. And somebody in that courtroom were to stand up and say, wait a second, judge, I'll pay his fine for him. And he wrote out a check in the amount of $200 and gave to the judge. And the judge says, okay, your fine has been paid. You're free to go. That's what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary. He paid the, the fine for your sin and took care of God's requirements. The righteous life he took care of. He lived it in our place. The penalty he bore it. The wrath of God he took it. The justice of God he satisfied it. The curse of God he became it. So that we could go free. So what do you do? You receive your substitute. In, in John 1.12 the Bible says. Uh, to as many as received him. That is Jesus. To them gave he the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, part of that is that decision of repentance, and part of that is just receiving Jesus into your life, receiving his forgiveness. Jesus' work at the cross is applied to you. And Jesus, as your substitute, has received God's curse, and you, through the righteousness of Jesus, receive God's blessing. Isn't that a wonderful thing? A great exchange takes place. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, the good things we don't deserve. Heaven is God's grace. The new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem, all God's grace. The presence of God in your life is God's grace. A relationship is God's grace. Forgiveness is God's grace. Every good thing, the fact that you're reconciled to God, the fact that, that you have uh, God answering your prayers, all of that is God's grace. Any good thing that God does for you comes about because of his grace. Not a one of us deserve it. And so you receive your substitute, and what does God do? The blessing that Christ deserves comes to you. What an amazing thing. <clears throat> So replacing cursing with blessing, how do you do it? First of all, recognize your guilt. Secondly, receive your substitute. And thirdly, rely on the Spirit. Look at verse 14. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham, in other words, the promise God gave to Abraham through your seed, and that would become Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. What does this blessing entail? It says the purpose of the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus, so that we could receive the promised Spirit through faith. You're saved by faith. You receive the Spirit by faith. You walk in the filling of the Spirit by faith. You receive it. You trust God for it. And you rely on Him in your life. You say, well, how does that change cursing into blessing? Well, at the cross, Jesus took care of our penalty. 
Jesus took care of the righteous life that we needed to, to live to fulfill the law because he lived in our place. But there's still a practical issue. And the practical issue is, how do I, with my sin nature, begin to live a righteous life? And live in the blessings that Moses said, if you live in these things, you'll, you'll, be, you'll live by them. If you, if you obey these things, you'll live by them. How do I experience the abundant life, the joyful life that God intended for me to live? How do I live a righteous, godly, holy life? And by the way, it still doesn't get me to heaven. But I'm doing this so that I can walk in the closeness of fellowship with God and have the abundant life in my life. How do I do that? Through the Holy Spirit. You rely on the Holy Spirit to empower you. Um, you rely on Him to give you victory over sin. You rely on Him uh, to lift you up when you're, when you're cast down. You rely on Him to change your heart. I love that scripture. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. That's true of salvation, but it's true every day that we uh, walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit or in Christ, another way to describe this relationship, and he's living his life through us. Guess what? I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. I'm, a new, I'm living a new life. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. A spiritual birth that would come about through the power of the Holy Spirit. When does that happen? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But the effects of that new birth are continued as the Holy Spirit, in filling you and living through your life, enables you to live that godly, holy life in relationship to God. And it's not done to earn favor with God. Jesus has already done that for us. No, it's done so that we could draw near to God in this life and we could walk with God in the fullness of His presence and enjoy the joy of relationship with Him. And see, God's best was intended in the garden, right? What happened? Sin came into the picture and messed it up. Then you have the curse, right? Cursed is the ground because of you. The Bible says the earth is groaning now. Uh, Adam and Eve were what? They were cast out of the garden, weren't they? Separated from the presence of God because of sin. Now through the Holy Spirit of God, I can overcome sin. I can live, not that I'll do it perfectly because I still have that old sin nature. And sometimes I listen to that old sin nature and so will you. But there can be seasons of time in my life where I live in the obedience and the power of the Holy Spirit where I'm living the life that God has called me to live. And as I do this, I draw closer to Him. Um, not so much that, that I don't have access in the other times, because I do. Christ has made the way. But I enjoy the blessings of that closeness to God. Because the Spirit is free to live His life through me. In, in Galatians 5, we have not got there yet, but he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the fruits that come from being filled with the Holy Spirit. They affect our character and the way we live our lives, the righteousness of our lives, but it also affects 
the satisfaction of our lives because there's joy and there's peace. All this comes through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus takes care of the penalty for us. The Holy Spirit takes care of the life of righteousness for us. And the life of righteousness is not lived to earn salvation. It's lived as a loving response and a a desire uh, to draw near to God in relationship. And as we do that, uh, we will live this full, meaningful life. What did Jesus say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Uh, so turning cursing into blessing. How do you do it? Recognize your guilt, receive your substitute, and rely on the Spirit. You know what I love uh, about uh, the book of Colossians, I, I mentioned this I think earlier in a class, but the scripture says that the handwriting that was against us, remember I mentioned that God has a record of our sins, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Paul says in Colossians, God blots out the handwriting that was against us. He takes his divine eraser or his whiteout, some of you are old enough to remember what that is, uh, or for, for the new generation, the delete button, okay? <laughs> And he erases the record of our sin. And it's not put into the cloud. It's deleted forever. Buried in the sea of forgetfulness. Separated as far as the east is from the west. So that now we have a relationship based upon the worthiness of Christ. And access to God. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. This is what Jesus did for us. You ought to praise him. You ought to thank him. You ought to worship him for what he's done. It is like nothing else in this world. Uh, And then rely upon what he has done in your life. You know, the devil will remind us of our sins. Did you know that when you confess your sin, the Holy Spirit's not going to bring it up again? It's gone. He He convicts. If the Holy Spirit's convicting you... He brings it up so that you can confess it and get back into a right relationship with the Lord. But the devil will bring it up again and again and again. And so uh, when you hear that whisper in your heart, in your mind, about how bad or how awful or how uh, sinful you are, you just quote in Romans 5.1. Or quote in this verse, Jesus Christ became a curse for me. The curse, has, the curse has already been carried out. The price has already been paid. Get behind me, Satan. Uh, trust in the finished work. Did you, do you believe that the work of Jesus Christ is sufficient? The, blood of, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all our sin. All our sin. There's no sin. There's no categories. I, we, we make up those categories. Well, God can't forgive this sin. But no. The scripture says... The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all sin. Anytime you come to Jesus for forgiveness, he'll provide forgiveness. The, uh, the unpardonable sin is, is a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But the reason that that sin is not forgiven is because the Holy Spirit withdraws and the person is lost and they'll never come to Jesus Christ. They'll never have a desire to come to him. If they would come to him, guess what? He would forgive their sin. 
But because the Holy Spirit withdraws, they cannot come. They have no desire to come. They'll never make that decision. So the blood of Jesus Christ is completely sufficient. It covers every sin, and you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. You bring your sin to Jesus, he'll forgive you every single time. When you come in repentance and faith, Jesus will forgive your sin. Look in the gospel. It's borne out time and time and time again. Um, replacing cursing with blessing it happened at the cross it continues to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit let's pray Father thank you for your word thank you for uh, the fact that you come alongside us and help us in our Christian walk and uh, thank you for the Holy Spirit and his presence in our lives and how he helps us uh, to live the way that you would have us to live so that we could experience the abundant life that you desire us to have. God, help us to surrender to you and to put our trust in you, to keep our sins confessed. Uh,